Postdoc transformation. Postdoc transformation. Postdoc transformation. Invest in your postdoc transformation. Welcome to the seasonal show for scientists leaping into business. In every sponsored episode, we are happy to recommend employers of choice for you. Make sure to check your readiness to leave out of science with us for free as linked in the show notes. For your career transition, we offer customized career transition e-courses and memberships also at graduate schools all over the world. Maybe yours too. And if your university isn't yet our customer, enroll in your free email course for career transition made simple as linked in the show notes. I'm your host, Professor Dr. Elena Sui Winkles, with my team who is rooting for you. And let's build your postdoc transformation with this episode. All right, welcome to this episode, which is the very first interview in the postdoc transformation show. And I really have a special guest here. I've been following her for a very long time already on TikTok. And I'm so, so proud that Professor Dr. Carlotta A. Berry has taken the time to share her experience with my postdoc transformation audience. So who is Professor Dr. Carlotta A. Berry? She is a professor in the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering at Rose Holman Institute of Technology. She is the current Dr. Lawrence J. Giacoletto Endowed Chair for Electrical and Computer Engineering. She has a bachelor's degree in mathematics from Spelman College, a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering from Georgia Institute of Technology, a master's in electrical engineering from Wayne State University, and a PhD of, from Vanderbilt University. So you know that she is an expert and I'm so glad that she'll be talking to us, not about her work, but instead she'll be talking about her impact as a professor, being a black, being a woman, being a mother in academics. So she has a special passion for diversifying the engineering profession by encouraging more women, marginalized and minoritized populations to pursue STEM degrees. She achieves this purpose with robotics education, engineering education and human-robot interaction research to bring more people to STEM. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Woohoo! Okay, so we've got the postdoc transformation card game and I'm so happy that Carlotta has been playing with me and also the others. Yeah. And I'm, I have a lot of questions regarding our professorship because I think that the two of us, we definitely do look different. We are different. We are women. We mm -hmm. are people of color. We are moms in academia and we've got different backgrounds we bring to the table to academia. Beyond excited to find Carlotta participating in my game because I was like, yes, this is the reason why I'm on TikTok. I want to have role models that are authentic for my diverse people in postdoc transformation. So all these questions are for the underprivileged, underserved and underrepresented professor. 
and I hope that you will enjoy the questions. Are you ready for the first one, Carlotta? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Are you scoring me? Am I getting points? The, the audience can score you. All right. Okay. So number one is what motivated you to pursue a career in academia despite the challenges and barriers you, you faced as someone from an underprivileged and underrepresented background? Um, I think I didn't really know why, but I had such a negative experience in engineering school. Um, you know, obviously at 18 and 19 years old, you don't know about, you know, about microaggressions or that mm -hmm. in engineering, there's like not a lot of black people and not a lot of women. Mm -hmm. All I know is that I was having a very, very rough time and I didn't know why. And so I was just like, well, since I originally wanted to be a teacher anyway, and I like engineering, but I hate the way the professors teach. I hate the way they interact with me. I hate the way they talk to me. I decided I wanted to be a professor because I wanted to show a different way that people could do professoring. That's why I decided to do it. Didn't really know why, you know, I mean, later on I figured it out because I did research on it. But at the time, I was just kind of like, why are these people treating me so crazy? And why are there hardly any women and black people in these classes? Why? I had no, I had no interest in being a college professor until I was in college in engineering class and was like, this is not cool. This is not the move. I could do this differently. I was going to be perfectly happy to be an engineer. That's all I wanted to be was an engineer. I wanted to be a high school math teacher. Then I wanted to be an engineer. But then I was kind of like, mm -mm, academia needs some work, especially engineering education. Okay, let's stop here for a second. This is so important. So Carlotta was a successful engineer and she returned to academia because she thought that engineering education needs people like her. So if you ever want to return to academia, Please also listen to our episode, The Best Reasons to Come Back to Academia After You Have Thrived in Business. And now, back to the show. Thanks for the answer. And number two is, how did you find strength and resilience in the face of adversity? And what lessons do you hope to impart to future generations facing similar obstacles? Stubborn. A big one for me was being stubborn. Um, I was, I was like, I have a goal. I've invested so much time already. I've burned so much money already because you know, I had student loans when I graduated mm -hmm. and I was just like, I'm not quitting now. I mean, you know, it took me five years to get my two bachelor's degrees, you know, after much strife and failure, it was just stubborn. I mean, being stubborn, holding on to eventually I want these degrees. You know, it's like nobody in my family was an engineer. No one in my family was a professor. So all they could really go is good job, baby, keep going. But I knew what I was doing was important. Wow. So your first jam yeah. all over the place. And did you know that we offer deep dive e-course workshops and memberships at graduate schools, maybe also at yours in the future? Ask your graduate school coordinator whether they want to book my services so that I can deliver them to you 24-7, 365 on your mobile device. And even better, if you get us paid by your grad school, we will pay you 50% recurrent sales commissions. 
So you will earn money with us as we help you and your PhD besties to transition into business. We can build a poster transformation together. Woohoo! Ready? Okay, next one is up. Uh, were there any mentors or allies who played a pivotal role in your journey? And how did they help you navigate the academic world? But I understand that you don't, you didn't have any role. Not too later, not oh. too later, because I didn't know anybody. Like I found out later, I went to Georgia Tech and I found out here in Virginia, I found out later that um, there was like one or two black men professors at Georgia Tech when I was there. I okay. never had them. I never met them. Mm -hmm. I never talked to them. So the mentors came later, but not at the time. And what's interesting now, part of my frustration now is that my school, there's not a lot of black, there's no black women professors, is that black students come to my office from all over campus because if people hear, oh, this black student is having problems or they need advice, let's send them to a black person. So one thing I'm trying to get my colleagues to understand is that anyone can mentor a black student. Anyone can mentor a female student. You just have to be invested in that. So all I, you know, although I didn't have any mentors that looked like me, didn't mean I shouldn't have had one. It's just... I was at a research school where those professors were more focused on their research lab, their grad students, their papers, their grants. So why nobody really checking to be trying to mention no undergrads? They didn't really have time for you. I couldn't even get them to talk to me during office hours if I went and asked for help on my homework. So there was no way in the world they were going to try to help me, you know, and mentor me and figure out what was going on with me personally in my career. Okay. Number four is, uh, can you recall specific instances where your unique experiences and pers perspectives from your background enriched your teaching and re Oh yeah, um, I tell my students that one all the time. You know, I actually had lunch with some of my alumni students on Saturday and they're always like, oh my God, why are you on Instagram? Why aren't you on TikTok? Professors should not be on TikTok and Instagram. So they're always telling me how different I am and that, you know, they they don't follow many people. So my posts always come up and I'm like, I think that's a good thing. I'm, I'm glad I'm not like your other professors. So as much as I think they try to take it as a dig, I think they kind of like it, right? Because I tell them, I know I'm not like your other professors and that's right. That's what I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Exactly. I can so resonate with that. Because I think that um, we we need to be different. Our yeah. kids need to have different role models, and if we don't do it differently, if we do it the same way like the others, then it's no different. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Number five is number five is how did you create an inclusive and welcoming environment in your classroom to uplift students who, like you, might come from an underprivileged, underrepresented background? I think the way I do it is by being more opening and welcoming to everyone. Um, that That's the way to be different, right? Because, um, you know, not just knowing their names, but they sometimes seem shocked that I pay attention to them. Like, you know, if one of them walks in, like I had a young lady one time, she walked in, I was like, oh, did you dye your hair? You got your hair cut or something. And she goes, I cannot believe you noticed that I changed my hair. And I'm like, should I not? She's like, I've just never had a professor do that before. So just those little things. Or like, you know, if they tell me they were going to be absent for a day because they weren't feeling well, and if they come back the next day, how are you feeling, right? So because that was the main thing I felt I was missing is that human aspect of being in engineering school. Like engineers are supposed to be designing systems and processes for the world and for people. So if I cannot show any human aspect of who I am to my students, how am I modeling the people that we want them to be? That's how you end up with these engineers who are completely cold, 
unethical and could give a, a hoot really about their clients, right? This is when the moment when you bring in the personality that makes the difference for yeah. the students who maybe need, you know, they don't know who yep. else they can look up yeah. to and, and, and emulate and aspire to be. And you, you show yeah. them that you can be yourself, your true self. Yep. And it can be a heavy burden too, because like I said, it does sometimes, it's like, why do they all come to me? Like, I'll tell my colleagues like, oh Lord, I got another crier in my office. And you know, I work with all men and they're like, I've never had anybody cry in my office. I get crying males, I get crying females. Mm -hmm. I have I have colleagues who'll be like, what you mean they crying in y'all? I had a freshman crying on the very first day of school during academic advising. And it's because something about my personality makes them feel so comfortable. On the one hand, you know, I had one student, one of my Nesby students like, you're like our mama. No, I'm not like your mama. I'm not your mama. I got one child. So I don't want to be your mother, but I do want to make it so that um, you feel, you know, like you can share yourself as well. Because engineering is supposed to be that time when you are developing and growing, you know, into adulthood, you know, finally that frontal cortex is going to be finished developing and all that. So going through that journey with nobody who you can talk to is miserable, you know? I love it. Yeah. I also have some students who know me from before I became a mom and then they graduated and came back to uni and then they had me again for their masters. And they said that obviously I've, matured as a professor but they also say that me becoming a mom has changed the way i teach and for the better so more, it changes you, know, your, more you, you become way more patient i mean yeah. i mean i think my husband also helped me to become way more patient but you you become way more patient because like i can deal with a lot more before i just flip out on you you know I can deal with a little bit of your map, your bad behavior, knowing, okay, their frontal cortex ain't developed. They got a scotoma. They got a blockage. Something is going on here. Whereas when I was younger, I was like, I'm not dealing with that. I had a student email me um, this week or last week, and the subject line was lab for hell. And he was upset because he couldn't figure out lab for. Now, the old me would have been like, you need to delete this and write me back again because I don't respond to mess like this. I just <laughs> ignored him, and I answered his email. And then the next day he wrote me back and was like, professor, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry with this because of the subject line in that email, because, but the old me would have been like, they don't know how to act, but you, you know, understanding that they're not com completely matured yet. No. And that, you know, you just have to meet them where they are. I think it's important. The same thing, same thing with their code. When they get frustrated with their code, they make variables with cuss words and stuff. I tell them, get that ignorant mess out of here. I don't go off on them, but you fix this. You find a variable that is not a curse word. I don't care that this took you forever to figure out and you mad. Take that, you know, that's just crazy. <laughs> Take some code word. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And now it's time to thank company ABC who sponsors this episode of the Postdoc Transformation Show. I would now be reading the company's answers to one of six bold questions so that you can choose to apply. For example, number one. Describe your most valuable experts versus leaders in your company. Have they typically earned a doctor title? Number two, for whichever company roles or units do you encourage somebody with a doctor title to apply? Number three, how would you describe your organizational culture in which your most valuable experts and leaders thrive in? To nominate an employer of choice so that we can ask our informative bold questions, let us know via the click on the link. If you are a company representative, like in recruiting and employer branding, and now 
you want your company to be highlighted as an employer of choice for our audience, you can become a sponsor of a dedicated Postal Transformation Show episode. Just click on the link in the show notes. And now back to the Postal Transformation episode. Good. So number six would be um, what values and principles guided you in your academic pursuits while remaining connected to the struggles of your community? I think it's really important, you know, we obviously, I'm sure you do as well. I have to code switch at work, right? I don't think my predominantly white male colleagues could really deal with me if I brought everything to to the fore. I think I bring a lot. I've been told I can be pretty forthright. But some of the qualities that I have to bring forward is always being myself, right? I'm never gonna compromise on who I am for a grant, for research students, for research dollars, to get promoted, for success, for anything like that. And so I think it's very important to always bring your authentic self to the table. And I think that will resonate with students. Like they can kind of tell when you don't really care about them. I had one of my advisors in my office the other day and I hate when they come to me to talk about other professors. Cause I'm just like, that's my coworker. I don't want to hear it. I don't even care if I agree with them. I don't want to hear it. And one of them the other day, her father had died. And there was another professor who was just like, you know, you can't turn nothing in late. Don't, if you get more than X absences, you're going to fail and all that. And she just was telling me how he treated her like he was a robot, like complete lack of empathy. And I was just like, I'm a human being first always. And my job does not define that. You know, I told her, I said, don't talk about him to me. I don't want to hear it. But in my mind, I'm kind of thinking her father died. And he was just like, you need to get your work turned in. I mean, what kind of, you know, person is that? So I just think you always have to be your authentic self. And I know how I want it to be treated as a student. And I would want that for them as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, everyone is human. And once you have determined your readiness to leap and want to transition into business or industries, then you can enroll in your free email course with 10 actionable bingeable email lessons until you start your job in business. You'll get 10 emails like this. Number one, how to leap out of science. Number two, how to build your sustainable LinkedIn profile. Number three, how to read social media and network. Number four, how to research your favorite jobs and employers. Number five, how to do informational interviews to get insights. Number six, how to create your customized applications with ChatGPT. Number seven, how to prepare your thesis from a business point of view. Number eight, how to apply to your favorite employers. Number nine, how to choose the right job offer. Number 10, how to prepare for your new job. Woohoo! Is, uh, can you share stories of small victories and big milestones that showed you the impact of your work was having on others who faced similar cha- challenges? Well, um, there we got, I've made TikToks about this. When I got the letter in the mail from the young man that saw my article in the New York Times a decade ago, and I had one Zoom with him 15 minutes, and then this summer he sent me an invitation to his PhD graduation from Carnegie Mellon in engineering. So those little things, that one little tiny conversation changed his life. I have another student, um, he was a black male as well. He graduated with his engineering degree. He's now a working engineer. And he came back to me and told me that when he failed my circuits class and I refused to round 
his score up to pass him, even though he didn't know the material, how angry he was with me and how he didn't dislike me. He came back to tell me, I understood now, and you've always been my favorite professor, even though I failed your class. So he had finally grown up and matured and understood that part of me caring about his success was I'm not going to pass you when you didn't earn the grade. And that meant a lot to me. And then another TikTok I recently shared is I caught a student cheating my first or second year here. The student was adamant he did not cheat. And because you can appeal, he appealed it to the faculty. I had to go before the board. I had to do a full presentation. They ended up upholding it. And so 15 years later, over the summer, he sent me a letter that says he wanted to apologize for cheating all those many years ago, and he did do it. So sometimes it's a long time coming, but it comes. So those are those small victories that you may not realize you've had such an impact on somebody till later. In fact, they may never tell you. You just don't know. They go on about their life, you know? That's true. I always say my success as a professor is when my students are successful in their work. That means it goes a long way and I will probably never know, but yeah. I will have an impact. And I know that because my students will also not just because of my work, but also because of my work. Have you found this episode so far helpful for yourself? Well, maybe you can subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Popping, or wherever you get our show. And also share this episode with your PhD bestie because that would encourage us to help the underprivileged, underrepresented, and underserved early career scientists leaping into business. This would also ensure that you don't miss a future episode. Also, our subscription and listening numbers are key for finding the right sponsors for our show so that we can help you for free. And now back to the show. How did you balance your responsibilities as an educator, researcher, and advocate with your commitments to your family and community? I don't do it well. Um, this is one whenever I, I go to a lot of engineering education conferences because, you know, I'm an engineering educator. That's more than just I'm an engineer, I'm an engineering educator. This always comes up and it's always in panels for women because women have the more difficult time with this question than anyone else. And I like to give advice to people about some, some, some stuff that I need to take the advice from. I don't do it well. My husband always talks about he thinks I'm a workaholic. But I think also part of it is my husband is, was a K-12 teacher and is now a high school principal. He doesn't understand the stresses of academia, like the tenure process, the promotion process, and just what a, a, a drain it is on you, even when you're not at a research school and at a teaching school like I am. And I love what I do. So sometimes when he sees me working on the weekends or in the evenings, like, oh, you work all the time. This, I enjoy what I do. So it's not really work to me. But figuring out ways to do that. Once I had a daughter, I had to make it happen. So being very intentional about put down the computer, put down the phone, take her to Girl Scouts, go play video games with her for a little while. When she was younger, doing hide and seek, doing those kind of things. And now that she's a teenager, she don't really want me around anyway. But being more intentional with her, and not just her, with my husband. Like, we have intentional family outing days, or just recently we've been discussing having a technology-free window or technology-free day. But it's very difficult for people in academia, and especially for someone who's an introvert like me, because by the time I get home, I've been talking to people all day. I don't want to engage and talk to nobody at all. I'm ready to go somewhere and decompress. And my husband being an extrovert, he doesn't really understand that. My daughter's an introvert like me, so she doesn't care. But balancing that sometimes I have to come out of my shell 
and make sure that I can connect with my family and give them equally as much as I'm giving to my students and my colleagues because they're the ones who are going to be here, cradle to grave, not that job. And it's very hard, but be intentional. Some of my colleagues do things like I don't answer emails on the weekend. I don't bring my computer home on the weekend. I have done that before, but not often because on Monday, oh my God. I, and then I've had people be like, don't put your email on your cell phone. My email's on my cell phone too, because once again, that's something else that drives me crazy. I cannot have a thousand emails on Monday. So like I said, I don't always do the best. So these are some of those techniques other people suggest you use that I don't use very well. But you do what you have to um, to make that work for you. Yeah, I also think that it, it depends on the season. Like I said, when your daughter was smaller, it was different. Now she doesn't need you that much yeah. in different problems, different time. And, and yep, so, exactly. It may change over the time, over the life, you know, our lifespan. Yep. And I think that at least if, if you are intentional and adjust as needed, that's the important yeah. balance. Yeah, like, I've also heard other things like, getting a hobby like I have one it's cross stitching I can't think of the last time I done a coloring book you know there's an adult coloring books now but finding things to do to de-stress mine re recently has been social media that's my de-stress when I really get tired of working I get on social media and watch videos or make videos or, or do or play or you know do wordle or whatever um, but finding something you know because you know I had anxiety attacks in when I was in my PhD program and I don't ever want to go back to that so just finding ways to balance and not have that level of stress is important. Postdoc Transformers, how was that right? I found this so inspiring to, you know, learn so many things about and also from Professor Dr. Kalata Berry. And I hope that you will find her and all her socials. I will link to her social handles as well, of course. But also please check out her books and her you know, social engagement, robotics, diversity, STEM, whatever it is, I will link to her pages in the show notes. Our interview on TikTok live was actually almost an hour. So I split this interview into two sessions. This episode is the first one and we will have a sequel episode next week. Stay tuned and please also contact her and let her know what was inspiring, what was valuable for you. Remember, you are a postdoc transformer. You are highly intelligent, well-educated, a bachelor, master, and maybe you have already your doctor under your belt, or you are a postdoc. You are internationally experienced, fluent in English, a leader and expert in your prior research field. You're resilient, brilliant in adaptation and problem solving. You are eager to bring in the transferable and monetizable skills needed in many companies to embrace the future and to become or remain an innovator in their markets. Do you want a transcript of our episode? And our episode sponsors answers to all six bold questions so that you can choose to apply. Do you want to nominate your potential employer of choice so that we can ask them our bold questions? For all of that, click on our links in our show notes and on our website, www.postdoctransformation.com. Remember to check your readiness to leap out of science and to enroll in our free email course, Career Transition Made Simple. Thanks for your attention. I'm Professor Dr. Eleanor Zoe Winkles, the host of your seasonal Postdoc Transformation show. Postdoc Transformation.
postdoc transformation postdoc transformation